Hi, and welcome to the Property Side Hustle podcast. If you want help starting a property business or you want to find out more about creative property strategies and building your income, then this podcast is for you. No gimmicks, no dodgy property gurus, no nonsense. This is the Property Side Hustle podcast. Right, today's show is part two of a series on starting and scaling a property sourcing business. Now, today's episode is actually on marketing and how to position your business and work out what services you're going to provide and ultimately, how will your business generate money for you? But before we jump into that, The biggest problem people have when they're just getting started in property is they hit a problem, a bump in the road, they get stuck. They have nobody to help them and many times that leads to that person ultimately giving up. Now the only solution is having somebody who can help you. But the problem is property mentorship is ridiculously expensive and some charge over £20,000 for just a year's worth of support. So here's the fix that nobody else will offer you in the UK. I can mentor you one-to-one, help you with any aspect of your business and help you every step of the way with your chosen strategy. The cost, well, it's peanuts compared to these property guru types out there. So so if you want me to be your mentor, business coach, you need to join the waiting list as I can only work with so many people at a time. So go join the list on psnpropertyblog.com. And one last thing. If I work with you, it's not time limited, which means I will work with you in your business and mentor you for as long as you need me to support you. It's lifetime access with no ongoing costs. So sign up to the waiting list now on psmpropertyblog.com. If you're starting a property deal sourcing business, then you need to understand how your business will generate you money. Now, the main source of income will be, obviously, those sourcing fees, which is, that's a fee paid to you from the buyer of the property. Essentially, essentially it's the reverse of what an estate agent does. They get paid by the seller for selling the property, And you, as a sourcer, get paid by the buyer for finding them a suitable investment opportunity. So what can you charge as a sourcing fee? Well, rather than charging a flat fee, most sourcers out there, and it's kind of universally accepted in the UK, they'll charge a percentage of the purchase price. So the more expensive the property is, the bigger the fee is going to be for you. Now, the accepted usual percentage is between 2 and 2.5% of that purchase price. So for example, if you packaged a deal, a property that was worth £200,000, your fee is going to be £4,000 based on 2%. Now some people package properties that sell for under £100,000. So your fee would be less than £2,000. So in the contracts that we provide on our training, on our deal sourcing course, we state that the fee is 2% with a minimum fee being £2,000. That way you never take a fee less than £2,000 regardless of if the property is worth less than that 100 k But what about if you were sourcing a cash-flowing asset? 
So imagine you have a property with tenants already in there paying rent. Maybe it's a HMO property, generates good amount of cash flow a month. I'd charge a minimum of £5,000 as a flat fee on a HMO that is a cash-flowing it's cash flowing asset already. So as soon as the investor buys it, they're getting money straight away. Obviously, you can charge a bit of a premium, so you can charge a little bit more. And that's where the percentage fee kind of goes out the window a little bit. But you can't be too greedy on that fee because at the end of the day, you still want the investor to buy the property. You don't want them being put off by you exaggerating your, your sourcing fees. So if you said the average fee you could earn in the UK was around in about £4,000, £5,000, and you scaled the business, so you were sourcing and trading one property a month, that would mean you generated maybe four to £5,000 a month, you know, 48, 50 odd pounds a year. If you did more than one deal in a month, it quickly scales up and it could easily become a six-figure business. Now, that's the real potential of scaling a sourcing business. Now, there's some big numbers there, but I'm not the type of person to sugarcoat it and big up these numbers. Remember, I just base that income on one property a month. That's just 12 deals sourced and packaged up and sold in one year. And you are earning over and above the average UK salary which I think is in about £35,000 these days, might be a bit higher. Um, your first year, just a, a little reality check, your first year um, doing this if you're starting out as a deal source, if you're a newbie, will undoubtedly mean you are going to have a phase of learning. So there's going to be a learning process, isn't there? Getting compliant, getting set up, building your connections, your, your contacts, networking, Um, And that learning phase can take a couple of months. It can take several months. The reality is some people accept that that growth period is necessary. And other people, they jump into this and they expect quick, instant results. They want money in the bank from the get-go. And these people are the shiny penny seekers. They want overnight success with minimum amount of effort. And if you listen to the wrong people... You can have this false belief about property and property strategies, Um, you know, that you can be rich and financially free in a number of weeks and months. You know, it took me several months to land my first deal, several months, no, no pay, no pay for several months. But then I landed three within a very short space of time. And it's a case of building momentum. You know, it, it, like I say, it does take time to build momentum, make the contacts, kind of finesse that process and get things right. There will be a lot of hard work with zero results. And by results, when I say results, I mean cash in the bank. So it can be really tough to remain focused, remain dedicated to those goals when the money isn't flowing, the money isn't hitting the bank, and you've just got to keep chugging away and keep 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 doing what you're doing. You know, I, the reality is I could have given up so many times you know, trying to land that first deal. It was an absolute nightmare. I doubted myself. I questioned if what I was doing was even worth it. You know, was I crazy to keep doing this? I, I, I Honestly, I almost gave up so many times. But when that first deal landed and the money did hit the bank, I knew it was worth it. And I was so glad that I did continue 
um, because it, that was the start of everything for me. You know, fast forward to today, I'm retired. I'm in my early 40s. I live overseas in my dream home. So yes, I'm glad I stayed with it. I focused on building momentum and consistency in the business. You know, I'm digressing slightly. I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, but I'm not some property guru who's going to fluff it all up and talk about six-figure incomes and, you know, becoming financially free in five minutes. That That's not reality. You know, you need a realistic approach to all this and you need to treat it like a business. This is not property. Don't care what strategy you're talking about is not a get-rich-quick opportunity. So we've talked about the the sourcing fee, but how else can your business generate cash flow if you're a deal packager, a deal sourcer? Well, there's a few different things which are covered in a recent podcast episode, a couple of episodes ago. So we're just going to run through these really quickly. You could offer to do viewings for, for people, send potential buyers, then a viewing report on that property, a little video viewing report, you know, based on the condition of the property, lots of photos, all the rest of it. Um, you know, worst case scenario, they say it's not for them, but you got paid to go and do a viewing, uh, you know, and give them a, a bit of information. Best case scenario, they want the property and they pay you two fees, one for going to do the viewing and one for, for and, and doing the viewing report and the other one for sourcing the property in the first place. And last night, actually, I had a message off one of my mentees who's been doing this um, up in Liverpool, a guy called John, and he has really, you know, took this on. He's doing several of these viewings a week, so he's earning £200, £300 a week just off doing viewings. But actually, it's getting him that, that foot in the door. It's getting him face-to-face, building his connections up with investors. And he's got two deals ongoing at the moment, and he's going to get a few thousand quid out of that. So it's a really worthwhile thing to consider doing. To get that cash flow coming in really, really quickly from the get-go is offer to do viewings for investors and create those reports for them. Another option is to offer other services like project management. So you manage any refurb on the property for a fixed fee. Now that could be around 12 to 15% of the cost of the refurb. So it's a, it's a sizable amount of income. And you so effectively, you could get a sourcing fee and then a bigger fee as well for the project management. And something many people do um, also is joint ventures with investors. So they offer a fixed return if the investor puts up the money for a project. They enable you to buy the property or refurb it or both. You may have heard of OPM, other people's money or no money down. A lot of people talk about and no money down. I hate that term because effect, it's nonsense. It's like it's it's made up. The, the money has to come from somewhere. You can't do a property deal without any money. Obviously, that doesn't make any sense. The money has to come from somewhere. So we talk about other people's money. Um, and that's something else that you can get into with joint ventures. But we'll dive into joint ventures in our upcoming investor-focused episode, which is coming soon. So the bottom line is your sourcing business, your deal packaging business has lots of other potential income streams. It's not ever just about that sourcing fee. So there's lots of different things you you can do and monetize to get that money rolling in. Now, I talked a little about potential before when I talked about scaling the business to six figures and beyond. 
And you see, the thing is, a sourcing business, when done correctly, will build you a pot of capital. And having money means you have options. You know, you can spend it on holidays and lifestyle and cars and all those fancy things, or you could reinvest it and build more passive income, build up your assets and start investing yourself. For me, you need the right mindset in property. So if you come into property being solely focused on money and little else, you're going to fail if that's all you're doing. If, if all you're doing is chasing money, then straight away you're doing the wrong thing. If you come into property and see it as a way to create wealth, generational wealth as well, build income, build assets, and get that financial security, you will eventually work less and begin to live more. You know, it all depends on your goals, doesn't it? If you're the type of person that likes shiny things like the cars and the holidays, the expensive watches, then you're trading long-term success for short-term emotional reward. You know, I used to think, oh, I can't wait for that holiday. I'd have a countdown going on. We'd be counting the sleeps and all the rest of it. Everybody would be getting excited, the wife and the kids. You know, it would be this big, big countdown towards the holiday. And then I'd have a fantastic two weeks in the sun, over in a flash. You'd come back and you think, wow, that two weeks just cost me six grand. And then it's back to the daily grind. You know, it's that, it's that, it's that short-term reward for spending a silly sum of money. You know, the same thing. Whenever I got a nice new car, it felt amazing. You enjoy that new new car day and the new car smell. I love that smell. Everybody loves that. But ultimately, no matter how much that car costs you, no matter how good it looks, no matter how much you love it initially, that feeling soon wears off and it just becomes a car. A lump of metal with a wheel on each corner and it gets you from A to B. You know, and I often see I often see people share motivational mood boards or whatever it is. These motivational boards packed with images of things that, to motivate them. Um, things that they want in the future, in the upcoming year. And I can guarantee you, and, th- and, and if this is on your board, I apologise, but I can guarantee you that nine times out of ten of the ones that I've seen, they've got a Range Rover on there and they've got a fancy holiday at, at the very least. And if that's your main focus, then fine. If that's what motivates you and makes you truly happy to chase those more material things, then then fine. But most people with money don't usually chase the shiny things. They chase assets that will go up in value. You know, a car is literally the worst thing you can purchase in life. Huge amount of spend, and it depreciates as soon as you drive it off the forecourt. As soon as you drive it away, it's going down in value. You know, it, it doesn't make any logical sense, does it? When you think about it as in an investment term, it doesn't make any sense. You know, um, they, there's lots of people out there. They chase financial freedom. They chase uh, being able to wake up in the morning and be in full control of what they choose to do that day. That is true freedom. Being able to wake up and you're in control of that day. Nobody else. Never mistake short-term happiness on a purchase or an experience for true long-lasting happiness and freedom. Obviously, the nice holidays and cars, etc. can come as a result of your success. And that's fantastic. Go and enjoy them. But don't set out making them your focus. 
Don't think, right, I'm doing this to get the Range Rover. I'm doing this to get the holiday in the Maldives. Don't, don't make that the focus. Please approach it in the right way. Because if you do, actually, it changes how you approach the whole thing. You know, I know how much peace of mind is worth. And it's absolutely priceless. I get to live my life on my terms. I'm my own boss. I choose what to do, when I want to do it. And I'm financially secure. And let me tell you, that that peace of mind is, it's just amazing. Yet, I never hear anybody talking about that. All they talk about is income. Six-figure salaries, this, that, the other, you know, how much money, how much money. It's all money-driven, it's all ego-driven, income-driven, material things. Chase whatever you like, but really think about what that is and what you really want and why you're doing this. Why are you starting this business? What's the end goal? What's the ultimate thing? If you could wave a magic wand and in five years' time you could be in a place, what does that look like? You know, I saw a quote recently online that said, people that wear Gucci, Armani, Prada are usually poor people trying to look rich. And people that are rich, they don't care about looking rich because they are rich. And, you know, it, it's kind of true, isn't it? You know, you look at the richest people on the planet and they have billions and billions in the bank. CEO of Facebook, Zuckerberg. You know, Mark Zuckerberg wears the same basic T-shirts every day and a pair of jeans. It, it, you know, it, you would walk past him in the street and would not bat an eyelid. Elon Musk never looks well-dressed. You know, he's a bit out there. But these guys, they are focused on more important goals than their own image. You know, that's just not high up on their agenda. So don't feel you have to conform to what everybody else is doing on social media. Plough your own path Focus on your own goals and yeah, anyway, I digress a little bit there, but I just think it's important to kind of share that. So we've covered how your business can make money. Now let's jump into branding and marketing. So the definition of marketing is to offer your services to your ideal type of client. And to do this, you need to understand who your ideal client or customer is. Who are they? Well, in a sourcing business, your ideal client is, of course, an investor, a property investor. But we need to dig a bit deeper and work out where we can find them and how we can engage with them. Now, to be able to market to them, we need to focus on what they're likely pain points are so our our ideal client will be most likely short on time or short on knowledge possibly on a location or maybe an investment strategy so if we know their pain points we appeal to those pain points with the solution the fix which is what your business can do for them Now, most people make the mistake of assuming marketing is to talk about their services and their USPs and all that they can do. In other words, they go into a very salesy pitch all about them and their business. Now, the best marketers out there actually do do that, but much more intelligently. They talk about the problems that investors have. They talk about the the real pain points 
They talk about things investors may have on their minds, such as finance, legislation changes, how to make more money, how to mitigate tax, uh, which investment strategy they should focus on, and so on and so on. They talk about problems in videos, podcasts, uh, also in written content, such as blogs, emails, etc. And what happens is, if you pose a question like, are you a buy-to-let landlord looking to increase profits? Find out how. And then you talk about how you could solve that problem. The aim is to have the investor watch your video, read your content, and be saying to themselves, that's me. That's my problem. You know, it needs to resonate with with your audience, with them. If somebody says yes to themselves multiple times in this way, where they're, they're watching a video of yours or reading some content and they're going, yeah, that's me, that's me. If they're saying yes to themselves multiple times, it's almost as if you're speaking directly to them. And that's what good marketing does. So speaking to your audience about their problems and explaining the solution, the fix, the workaround, doing this, you build trust with your ideal clients. They have the impression that you're knowledgeable and, of course, that you're useful to them. So next time you're writing content or you're about to do a video on social media, just stop for a minute and think about who it is you're talking to and give them value and knowledge. You don't have to go into sales mode, but make sure you mention that you do offer XYZ services and they get a subtle call to action. It could be if you were doing a video, something, a link that just pops up on the screen for more info, click here or whatever it is. And they'll reach out and come to you almost on autopilot from all that content marketing. If you're consistently putting out valuable information and we're just, we're just glazing over this. I'm just giving you a bit of an intro because we're going to jump into investors specifically a little more on future episode in this series. But I just wanted to give you an overview of how you can simplify what you put out there to market your own business. So a quick rundown of types of marketing you can consider for your sourcing business. So the first one, use social media. Short form video like Reels um, on Instagram and Shorts will explode your audience. If you can be consistent with it and commit to that for you know 30 days, you will drastically increase your audience. If that's not you, you can, you can approach it in different ways, but you need to be using social media. Second up, post regularly online, offering value and quality written content like blogs and articles. Next up, Facebook. Facebook ads I'm talking about. So use Facebook ads to direct traffic to a particular funnel, a sales funnel. It could be an opt-in of some sort to get investors on your mailing list. So you're going to give them some a piece of content. It might be a guide, uh, a nice PDF guide. If that speaks to your audience, they're going to want to give you their name and email address and details to get hold of that guide. And then you've got them hooked in And you've got them on a mailing list where you can give them more value, more content, and just build that trust and rapport. And hopefully, then they reach out to you. And the great thing about all that is you can automate it in the business. Another big way of uh, marketing, really, is referrals. So offer a cash payment for referring your business to as many people as possible that they may come into contact with. So 
you know, your type of ideal client. So think of uh, brokers, you know, mortgage brokers, bridging finance brokers, solicitors, builders, tradespeople. They all come into contact with people that may be useful to you. So you can offer a cash payment as a referral fee. And last but not least, and it should have been first, really, it's not in any order of preference, this, is networking. Networking is the most powerful way you can market yourself in person and make new connections face-to-face with that ideal client, that investor. You know, networking should be your number one focus. Always see it as something you should be constantly doing, both online and in person. It's so, so vital to the to the success of a, of a property sourcing business. You need to get out there and have as many conversation, conversations as you can because conversations breeds business. End of. It's that simple. And we'll dive into a whole episode on this during our, our future episodes. So don't worry about that. We are going to deep dive into these things. If you would like help or guidance in your business from myself, Then, as I said at the top of the show, I do work with select people on a one-to-one basis on my mentorship program. You can join the waiting list on my website over at psmpropertyblog.com. That's all for this episode. I hope you really enjoyed it and got lots of useful takeaways to implement in your business. I'm actually off to the UK for 10 days from tomorrow. Um, Can't say I'm looking forward to it because I believe the UK is covered in snow, so that's going to be fun. Um, So the next episode is going to be in a fortnight's time. Um, I'm not sure on what we're going to cover next, but yes, stay tuned for part three, um, which will be out in a couple of weeks. So I'll be back in two weeks. But until then, stay safe and take it easy.